Welcome back to the Such Things podcast. We are continuing our conversation about prayer that we began last time. I'm David Lang. I'm all alone again today. No Lisa with me. Uh, You know, our family has been watching The Chosen lately. Man, what an incredible um, show. What a great portrayal of Jesus. I love the way it brings him to life. And it just reminds me watching him in action. It reminds me that I just want to be like him when I grow up. He's amazing. The way he lives his life, the way he interacts with people. How did he do it, though? What was his secret? I mean, I know he was God, but he was also a man like me. I believe that prayer may have been his secret weapon. Let me show you. Starting here in Luke chapter 3, verse 21, let me just show you some examples. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, like a dove. As he was praying, Luke chapter 5, verse 16, new, uh, verse 15, news about him spread all, all the more. Crowds of people came to hear him, to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Skipping over to Luke chapter 9, I'm in verse 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? And of course, the disciples respond, and he says, what about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter makes the good confession. You are God's Messiah. I love that. Once when he was praying in private, his disciples asked him, so apparently not very private. (laughs) Jesus didn't get much privacy. His disciples were always there, but he was praying. Down in verse 28, It says this, about eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him, went up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning and the the Mount of Transfiguration. And then finally, chapter 11, Luke 11, verse 1, one day... Jesus was, you guessed it, praying in a certain place, (laughs) a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Over and over, Jesus, we find him praying. And after watching Jesus' prayer life, they wanted in on it. The disciples wanted to know, how do you pray? (laughs) It's kind of funny. I'm sure they knew how to pray, 
But there was something about the way Jesus prayed. And so what does Jesus uh, give them? Well, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name, Luke 11. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Lead us not into temptation. Many have seen here through the years a model of prayer. Uh, Not so much words to be recited as a prayer for us to enter into and make our own. Because after all, there was at least one line in this prayer that he never had to pray, asking for forgiveness. So really, it's, it's our prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's the Lord's Prayer that he gave to us to be our prayer. Perhaps it's meant to be an outline for our prayers. So this prayer will serve as the model for our series on prayer. And this week, I I just want to talk about that first, not even the first line, the first phrase, our Father, our Father. And I want to, I think we can't skip that. That alone is important for Jesus to address God in this way and teach us to address God in this way as Father. It was unique. It was intimate, and it was costly. I want to I go over those three things today. First of all, it was unique to address God as Father. In Greek philosophy of, of their day, much like modern thinking, God would be referred to in more <laughs> impersonal, generic ways. You know, the cause of all being, the world soul, Sound, you know, kind of like, you know, the force. (laughs) May the force be with you. This is in stark contrast to the Bible, where God is always presented in very personal terms. But Jesus comes along and he made God more than personal. He made God familial. In the Old Testament, God is referred to as Father 15 times. Okay, 15 times. But he was referred to as Yahweh, the I Am, over 6,000 times. It was far more common to refer to God by his other titles. Some other examples, Elohim, God. El, or just simply El, God. El Alian, Most High God. El Shaddai, God Almighty. Adonai, Lord So then Jesus arrives on the scene. He's 12 years old. He's in the temple. He he wanders off from his parents, Luke chapter 2. They find him after three days. And they say, my son, where, where have you been? He says, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? My father's house? Even at 12, he's beginning to think of God in different terms. And these are not just terms. These, are, these have, terms have meaning. Well, then we come to, to Matthew chapter 5. And we find Jesus uh, at this point, maybe more like 30 years old, and beginning his ministry. And he delivers this 
watershed breakout sermon, which would come to define his entire ministry, the Sermon on the Mount. And just listen to a few lines that I'm going to pull from this sermon. Matthew 5, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Okay, skip on down to verse 44. It says this. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Verse 48, Matthew 5. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Okay, so right off the bat, people's ears are starting to prick up. They've only heard God referred to his Father 15 times in their Old Testament scriptures, and now Jesus is on a roll. We're only one chapter into this three-chapter sermon. <laughs> He's cranking out the fathers. Go to chapter 6, verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Verse 3. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Skip down to verse 6. But when you pray, go into your, your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they, they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. On and on and on. Jesus refers to God as Father 17 times in this one debut sermon. In total, Jesus referred to God as Father over 165 times in the Gospels, over 100 times just in the Gospel of John alone. But then he did something unheard of in chapter 6, verse 9. Nowhere do we find in the Old Testament God being addressed as, as Father in prayer. So when the disciples asked him back where we read in Luke, hey, Lord, teach us to pray, you know, the way you pray. How jaw-dropping must it have been for him to start like this? Matthew 6, verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. What I wonder what they were thinking. Wait, we we can address we can pray to God like this. Robert Stein, in his book called "The Method and Message of Jesus' Teaching," he puts it this way: 
the rarity of father as a title for God in the Old Testament stands in sharp contrast with the frequent use of this title by Jesus. Father is not just a way that Jesus chose to address God. It was the way he chose. And it was the way he taught his disciples to address God. Whereas God could be referred to as Abba or Father. Addressing him as such in prayer was either unheard of or extremely rare. Jesus addressed God in prayer with a unique intimacy, warmth, and tenderness. End, end quote. Um, so so we see, we've seen here, okay, this is unique to enter our prayers like this. But now let's explore that next part, the, the intimacy aspect, all right? Turn over to um, Mark chapter 14, or I'll just read with you, Mark 14, verse 36. Listen here, Jesus, we find Jesus again praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before he is going to go to the cross. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Verse 36, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Pleading with God before he goes to the cross, and he calls him Abba. Abba is, is an interesting term. It's, that's just the, the colloquial Aramaic term for father, dad, papa. It was just the way that, that you talked about your dad. It wasn't formal. It was just, that's, that's dad, that's Abba, Papa. This is, in fact, the word that seemed to catch on in the early church, even for those who didn't speak Aramaic. We believe that this became the way that the early church spoke of and to God, Abba. They adopted it. Look over here in Mark chapter 10, in verse uh, 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you that anyone who will, who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. So not only is it like unique and just cool that we can approach God as Father, if I'm reading this correctly, it's actually sort of imperative that we learn to do so. He says, if, if you won't receive the kingdom of God like a little child, you'll never enter it. Why? Why, why do we need to learn to approach God like a child coming to their Abba? Well, I think about my kids. I delight in my kids. I mean, taking them to the beach here in Myrtle Beach. I love it. 
seeing them play in the sand, jumping the waves, just sitting around laughing around the dinner table at the end of the day. Screaming down a roller coaster like we did a few weeks ago. Acting out a Bible story and being silly in the family room like we did a few nights ago. I just, I just, I take joy in them. I take delight in them. They're, they're my children. I'm their dad. My dad delighted in me and he still does. I, I'm blessed with like a rare situation. My dad actually has always told me how much he delights in me, how proud he is of me. He told me yesterday, repeatedly, <laughs> I'm proud of you, son. I'm so grateful for you. And what did Jesus's dad, Abba, do for him? Well, in Luke 3, 22, when, when he was baptized, what did the voice, God's voice from heaven say? You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. God showed up again. His voice shows up again on the Mount of, the Mount of Transfiguration. And he says almost the, the identical words. This is my son. I love him. I'm pleased with him. Listen to him. Why did God show up and say this to Jesus when he got baptized? And then on the mountain of transfiguration. Because Jesus, as a son, needed to hear these words from his father when he was beginning his ministry. And then right before he went to the cross, he needed a pep, a pep talk from, from dad. He needed to know, son, I, I got your back. I'm proud of you. You got this. These are the words that we need to hear from our father. Many of us never heard them from our earthly father. So I want you to hear this now. Listen to these words. Listen to the words of God that I'm gonna to read to you right now. Psalm 149. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. Let his faithful people rejoice in this honor and sing for joy on their beds. Proverbs chapter three. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Zephaniah chapter three. The Lord your God is with you the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. And finally, Isaiah 62. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. No longer will they call you deserted or name your land desolate. But you will be called Hepzibah and your land Beulah. For the Lord will take delight in you. So many of us listening right now never had a father that assured us 
of his delight. We never heard such words spoken over us, to us. We felt that we were a nuisance, something to be tolerated, maybe even the source of his wrath or the recipient of his abuse. But hear this now from your true father. According to these verses from the word of God that I just read to you, you want to know what God's delight is? It's you. It is you. It's you. Dear listener, you are God's delight. It's you. He rejoices over you with singing. So every time you go out to pray and you begin like this, Father, you can rest assured that He is positively delighted that you are coming into His presence. So in addressing God as Father, Jesus was not only giving us something unique, but something very intimate. But there's one last piece that we must look at. Yes, it was unique, it was intimate, but it was also costly. Costly. Look in Mark chapter 15. See, there was one time that Jesus did not address God as Father. And I'd like to read that to you. Mark 15. Verse, I'll start in verse 33. Jesus hangs on the cross. He says, it says, At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting Psalm 22, my God, my God. It's not Abba, Abba now. Maybe I'm reading too much into this. <laughs> I believe that in some way, shape, or form, a breaking of the paternal bond had taken place as Jesus bore our sin, and it broke Jesus' heart. And as a father myself, I know it broke God's heart too. The price for you and I to no longer be fatherless seems to be Jesus becoming temporarily fatherless. You can really see this come out if you study the Gospel of John closely. Over and over, Jesus talked about my father, my father, my father. I mean, so many references. I don't have time. This would be a bigger study, but I want to wrap it up. But suffice it to say this, after the resurrection, a change takes place in the way Jesus talks about God. 
We find it in John chapter 20, verse 17. He appears um, to, to Mary and he says, go tell my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. It's not just my father anymore. All of a sudden, a change has taken place. He is also our father. The price was now paid. It's like Jesus is declaring, let the adoptions begin. He can be our father now too. We are being invited to experience a taste of what Jesus experiences with God. Oh man, this is like, this is, I, I, <laughs> I lack the words to send this through the podcast to you, just how powerful this is. But oh my, was it costly. It cost them everything, Jesus and the Father. Oh, they paid a steep price for these adoptions. So every time we begin our prayers and we address God as Father, we remember the great lengths that Jesus and God went to so that this could even be possible. And so the Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians 4, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. Oh, praise God. Praise God. If you are not his child today, please, I urge you, repent and come to him. Be baptized. Be born again into a new family. Come on in. The water's fine. If you already are a child of God, baptized, born into his family, then I say this to you from the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10. It says, let us draw near. Are you near to your father today? Perhaps you're drifting away. Maybe you have felt shame or inadequacy. Well, take heart. Because it also says in Hebrews 10 verse 19 that we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. We come before our Father with confidence as his children washed by the blood of his son Jesus. Please, this season, as we're going through this series of prayer, turn off the noise of life and focus on your hidden life with God, who is your Father in heaven. Come back next time as we move on to the next two phrases. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In heaven, hallowed be your name.
but I think that's more than enough for now. I urge you to go talk to your father about these things. And hey, share with us on Facebook how it's going. See our the show notes for a link to our Facebook page. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Praise the Lord today, for He is all my hope and stay. Our God is good, His name is great, hallelujah.